Hallelujah. The message today is entitled The Kingly Diet. And our reference scripture today is going to be based on the book of Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And it says, In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The situation was that when Nebuchadnezzar attacked, he besieged. And then the Lord delivered the king of Judah unto him. And not just that, plus some articles from the temple of God. Isn't that so horrific, precious people? He's saying, this he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Small g, his God. That sounds like blasphemy. Sounds like abomination. Did somebody hear me? And the question that resonates from there, consecrated articles, the question there then becomes, what type of worship was going on in Babylon? Huh? Idol worship. Someone says satanic worship. That is it. It was so bad that they did not have their own oil for consecration. They didn't have consecration oil. So their articles were not consecrated. What kind of worship can that be? Where you don't consecrate the articles? Which type of worship is that now? Hmm? And when they came to Jerusalem, they were aware of the type of worship that was throbbing in Jerusalem. Was resonating from Jerusalem. They knew because they had known. And why did he target? Why did the devil target the consecrated articles of gold that were used for worship? Write down the following points as I summarize this for you. Number one, Exodus chapter 30, verse 22 to 30. Can we read? Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 to 30. That's the first reason why the enemy attacked, raided the temple, and took away the consecrated articles. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22 to 30, I'm reading. Can I read? He says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid meal, half as much, that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant cane, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a heen of olive oil. Verse 25. He says, Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. Uh-uh. We need to talk a bit. Listen to me now. He's saying, Jehovah is describing the formulation. The formulation of the sacred anointing oil. 
the one that is going to be used to consecrate those articles, right? I'm now passing you through the procedure and the protocol, the SOP, the standard operating procedures. The Lord's SOP for his protocol for consecrating the articles for worship, right? And he said that there must be a formulation of this order for you to attain the sacred anointing oil. You see that? And then look at this. This is now the caveat. He said, all according to sanctuary shekel, which means, don't tell me I used the Jericho shekel. Why didn't it come out right? Because he says, the, according to the shekel, since I'm in Jericho, I used the Jericho shekel, which is actually half the value of the Jerusalem shekel, the sanctuary shekel. He standardized it. He said, according to the sanctuary shekel. Are you seeing the perfection of God in play? The accuracy of the Lord. And he goes ahead to say, this is the caveat now. He says, and, and make it into a fragrant blend, the work of a chemist. <laughs> Listen to me properly. He's saying, in those measurements you do, please, don't be sloppy. Be careful, because I've worked it out that if you follow exact, the anointing that will come from there is the right anointing. And he said, the work of a perfumer. Perfumer is a chemist. Yes, he takes a flower like that one and he passes it, he squeezes it, crushes it, and he squeezes it and takes it through fractional distillation and then for HPLC and chromatography and what and high temperature distillation and whatever, and he comes with one dot, one drop, doop, one dot of a perfume from one flower. <laughs> and then he gets a million flowers grown for him. So he has perfected that art He's extracting and he's always testing the chemical makeup of the product at the end. And he said, this is now rose perfume. This is what perfume? Cinnamon what? Ah, are we talking now? He said, the work of a chemist. And the chemist, these days they work in nanograms, right? Because we are now in the nanoscale. Eh? Atometer. Using an atom to weigh atometers now. Huh? <laughs> Did you understand the accuracy of God here? The work of a chemist, a perfumer. Which means be sharp and accurate on this issue. The king of Babylon, he knew the pains that Jerusalem went through to prepare, first of all, the sacred anointing oil. And number two, to use it to consecrate these vessels. He knew the true value of these vessels. He knew the procedure is lengthy and disturbing and difficult and cumbersome. If I go and steal them away, it will take them some generations to restore worship. Listen to this now. He says he had to target the consecrated vessels because he knew, he knew the pain it took, the painstaking process or procedure to extract the oil. It takes so long for an olive tree to grow. Olive tree. They grow in desert, first of all. But to grow, it takes very long. Number two, it takes so long for it to give a fruit. Number three, and when the olives come out, it takes so long for the olives to ripen. And when the olives have ripened, it takes so long for you to extract a dot, a drop of oil from it. Wasn't he aware of this? This was what informed his decision to attack the temple and take the consecrated vessels. Did you understand that now? Because, you know, if I do this, it will take them so long 
to get back to worship. He knew. That's why he targeted. The devil is very smart. Be careful. He knows the Bible. He reads it. Again, I say, he reads the Bible. He knows it. He uses the word to try to mess you up, counter you. Your faith. Did you see that now? Isn't that amazing? And when you read the work of a perfumer, the chemist, for me, I'm familiar with pharmacists. Because before the Lord called me, I was running around pharmacy schools, you know. But listen to this now. You cannot make a mistake. You cannot make a mistake of a microgram. Did you hear that word? If you make a mistake, first of all, it will not be you. Because those are now in lab animals, clinical trials, whatever. The patient will die. And first of all, the medicine will not be passed. It will not pass the FDA. The pipeline. Because it will become toxic. Poisonous is the word. Did you understand what the Lord was talking about here? So I wonder. God must have put some people for Moses, right? With skills. There must have been one with skills there. Equipped to do this for Moses. Not to make a mistake. You make a mistake, you have corroded the life of Aaron. Instead of anointing. He was talking about the accuracy and the perfection of God at play. And the king of Babylon was aware. He knew that it took a long time for them to put together all those procedures. Several people, many working together until they got the consecrated anointing oil. And then went and consecrated the articles. Which I'm going to read, right? It will be the sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting. Do you hear where we are now? That's where I was targeting. Use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table and all its articles, the lampstands and all the accessories of the altar of incense and all the burnt whatever offerings, utensils, the basins and everything. You shall consecrate them so that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them will be holy. Did you understand what Nebuchadnezzar did? He knew that he was desecrating the worship in Israel. And once you desecrate the worship in Israel, finished. <laughs> Listen to this now. When he took the articles, he knew that he would have to target. How do you target worship articles that are consecrated? The opposite of consecrate is what? Desecrate. Touch them with some Babylonian hands. Yeah. Touch them with some hands from Babylon. Defiled hands. Desecrate them. Once you desecrate them, then the, their connection with Jehovah is broken. Did you understand what the target of the devil is in the church? That whatever touches them must be holy. Because they are most holy. And down there it says, use it to consecrate Aaron and his sons and name it. Have you seen the painstaking process for consecrating the articles? Do you see why the articles were a target? Because now we are operating under subtitle, consecrated articles, vandalized. Why did he target, number one, Exodus chapter 30, 22 to what? To 30. This is the cost to consecrate, right? Number two, the consecrated articles in Jerusalem symbolized 
God's redemptive covenant. They symbolized God's redemptive covenant. Which means every time they entered there to worship Jehovah, they were renewed. They were refreshed. They were reminded. They were updated. They were appraised. They were validated of God's redemptive covenant with them. Did you understand why he targeted them? Because every time the high priest entered there, he entered the most holy place, the holy of holies, and never without blood, the blood of the atonement that reminded them that, look, the Lord has atoned for our sins. The Lord is our redeemer. As the Lord came to kill the firstborn of every family, every man and animals in Egypt, for us, the firstborn of heaven was offered the symbol of the perfect lamb without defect that we slaughtered at the midnight hour in Egypt as we left. Can somebody hear me? He knew that when they worship, they remember the redeeming power of Jehovah over their lives. So if I go and dismantle it, now they have no one to turn to. Nothing to remind them of how mighty Jehovah is to redeem them. That nothing now will remind them that, look, Jehovah our God is the redeeming God. He has redeeming power. He can redeem us. He can set us free from whatever. If he removed us from the Egyptian slavery, even this one, he can remove us from this. He had to dismantle that. So nothing can remind them ever of Jehovah's redemptive covenant with them. Meaning, the covenant saying, and wherever you go, I shall always remember the covenant with Jacob. And I shall always faithfully redeem you. This was the attempt to break the covenant between Israel and Jehovah. Are you people seeing the church there? So he's saying, it reminded them of God's redemptive covenant. Which means the Lord's redemptive power. And they went and demolished that, that they may never be reminded again of who redeems them. Did you understand what the devil did in church? Number three, each of the elements became an object. An object that taught a lesson to the worshiper. Let me explain that. Each of the articles had a symbol. That's what I'm saying. It had a symbol as they worshipped, such that they remembered. It connected them to a particular process God had passed Israel through. Listen to what he's saying, in other words. He's saying, each of the articles was alive. It had life. It reminded them of a particular stage, a particular process. And they said, and again when we reached here, when the water was bitter, only Jehovah delivered us again from there. And again when we reached here and we wandered out across the Red Sea, only Jehovah appeared. And again when each of the articles had a role in that process. Oh. Now I'm teaching you the deep revealed word revelation now. This is now the deep scripture. Eh, you cannot find it on TBN, on what, you know, those places where there is uh, rhetoric. Eh? There is uh, some nuances. No. I'm talking about 
this word that brings the church into the kingdom of God, into the rapture. So you understand why the articles were targeted. It's not a joke. When the devil targets the church, when the devil targets the articles in the church, he knows why. He knows why he's targeting the article. And he collected them and went and arranged them in the temple in Babylon and he arranged them in the same order like the temple in Jerusalem. What was the purpose? I'm going to give you the purpose there. He took them, look, photographic memory, look. He entered the temple before destroying, looked, captured in memory, destroyed, took to Babylon and in the temple he arranged it like the photographic memory reminded him. The way they were arranged in Jerusalem. And then changed names and everything. Then did this to the church. He came now. He has arranged it according to Jerusalem. And he knows the church is in anguish and pain. You know, when the more she's in pain, the more you find that widow. The time that that widow does not have school fees for her child. Those days you hear her singing Jehovah's songs the whole night. The time that that widow sleeps hungry. You hear that widow singing. You see, that's why I'm saying. When they're in trouble, they tend to worship. They tend to turn to Jehovah. He knew that. And so, is it fair really to take the consecrated articles of the Lord from Jerusalem and put them in the temple in Babylon and arrange them in the same order and take others and put in a storage also like it was in Jerusalem and then to look at them in anguish and slavery and pain and tell them hey hey look it's arranged look like jerusalem let's worship come come let's worship the robbery of the hearts he was trying to rob the hearts of the israelites the hearts of the children of jacob and arrange for them because you know they're longing for worship and then they cried they said lord how can we sing the lord's song in a strange land do you remember that they wept. They fell down and wept because when they looked at the arrangement of the articles, and it looked like it was in Jerusalem, the articles arranged Jerusalem. But they said, just a moment. This is Babylon. And this is not the house of the Lord. So how do they expect us to go now in a foreign God's temple and sing the Lord's song to the foreign God? How is that possible? Did you understand how it happened? The question then becomes, why then has the church of Christ seen it and not objected and not refused that this is not the temple of God? She has gone there and she's worshipping there. And she's saying, let's just worship here. And yet it is the tabernacle of Satan. Worshipping in the tabernacle in Babylon. It is impossible. But why is the church worshipping there? Because that is where you find the diviners, the false prophets, false apostles, the witch doctors, immorality, ministers, pregnancies in church. The youth church is a disco. It's a non-stop disco. They are worshipping in the tabernacle of Satan. They are worshipping in the temple in Babylon. Why? Why are they doing that? When the children of Israel actually refused. They said, is it fair? That's what the Lord is asking. To take the house of Jacob 
and to try to rob their hearts by arranging the articles in the same order like it was in Jerusalem. And you are doing that in Babylon. And then say, come, come, we are in anguish, we are in distress, let us go worship. But another God, a God that our Father did not introduce to us, a God that is not Jehovah, how? And they were saying, don't worry, just sing the Jerusalem songs to him. How can you sing the songs of the Lord to a foreign God? Did you understand that? But why is the church doing it? It's compromise. And that's what, if you listen to the conversation now going on between the Lord and the church, he's asking, why have you compromised? Why didn't you reject the diet? He says, the devil had to target these articles because what the protocol they observed the procedure they observed to do this in the outer court to burn this in the outer court to take the blood now and move into the other court to put now the items here the consecrated bread the whatever here and to enter with them into the most holy place with blood and whatever to dress like this how they were dealing with the consecrated articles that observance of protocol was taught to them way back in the wilderness. It was a huge investment. He knew that there had been a big investment that generation one after the other had been well taught. And if I go and dismantle it, then I actually dismantle generations. And number two, it will take them equally a very, very long time to catch up. And number three about that observance. If I destroy, dismantle the observance, then now, the long time investment is broken. Because when you teach something for a very long time to a generation and another generation, to a nation, one generation after the other, it becomes ingrained. It becomes part and parcel of their livelihood. If you dismantle it, you have dismantled their livelihood. Did you understand why he targeted them? Do you understand why the enemy has to dismantle the articles of the church and rob them, loot them, and take them to the temple in Babylon? He said it had been a long-time investment. It had been inculcated, incorporated into their livelihood, their lives. And if there was anything to go dismantle, it was this one. Did you understand it now? We are still under the subtitle of consecrated articles vandalized. The other thing he says, the more Israel worshipped using these consecrated articles, the more it amplified their sense of separateness. The more it amplified their sense of separateness, which means separation. Why do I use the word separateness? Look at me now. Because he's telling them that, look, you are separate from other nations, from the other nations. You are special people unto me. Did you understand? So they wanted to dismantle that. Let me give you the example. Let me give you the example. I will use my own example. The Lord is very mighty. When I came to Kenya, it was amazing. They were saying, uh, yes, prophet, welcome. Somehow they knew this is the prophet of the Lord. Eh? Because the Lord showed me in the dream that they know. Prophet, welcome. Yeah, we also have another prophet here. Meet Prophet James. 
And the purpose of the devil I knew. To normalize. To neutralize. Did you understand? So that the advantage is broken. But here is different. The Lord is at play here. They failed though. But here is different. <laughs> yes. One of them was calling me and saying, Lord, this is Apostle Janet. Can I speak to Prophet who? Hey! Apostle Son says, calling Prophet who? Eh? <laughs> the purpose is to neutralize. So the advantage you have is finished. They say, no, uh, we are in a meeting here. Uh, I am the bishop of this church, and there is the, the priest of the Hindu temple, and the imam here. We want to now share this about national repentance. We need to do it together. What Did you understand this whole thing? Did you understand? Because every time Israel worshipped using the consecrated articles, it amplified their sense of separateness, separation. That look, behold, you are a chosen people. A separate people, the people unto the Lord, an elect. Did you understand that part? Because that's an advantage, right? So when the Israelites would walk to Babylon, they would say, ha, you guys, you, you are still worshipping idols. Uh, we, we are Israelites. You know, we are chosen people. We can show you some ways of worship. We can worship the Lord. And uh, what? So the superiority. They had to dismantle it to normalize, to equalize. Let me tell you, the message the Lord is giving the church here is this. That never, ever submit to that normalization. Never, ever allow them neutralize you. That's what he was trying to do. We see in the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 14 to 18. He says, behold, there is therefore no yoking between the non-believer and the believer. Do you understand now? Why would you normalize? Make equal? You are not equal. Even this ministry. You are different from all other churches in the globe ever since the Lord created the church. Did you understand that? I've said it again and again. I said you are the treasure church. Look how much I'm investing into this, says the Lord. Isn't this the church that the Lord is banking on now? If it is not this church, which one? Don't lose this. So, the devil targeted the articles because he wanted to dismantle the advantage they had. Because they always knew that we are a separated people. We are the elect of God. We are the wife of Jehovah. We are the chosen people, the children of Israel. A covenant people. Because every time they worshipped with those articles, it always amplified into them as a nation, as a people, a sense of separateness, separation. And by the way, the more you realize a sense of separateness, the more you separate out. Do you understand that? The more you say, eh, I don't deserve to be here. Okay, thank you guys. I need to go now. We have not even talked. Ah, no, no, no. I have to run. I have to run. You say, I don't need to be. I cannot be here. I am different from these people. Because you maintain a distance. You're always conscious of a separation, a difference, an age. And you sustain it based on that amplification. Every time you touch an article to worship, you remember it. Because he prepared such that they came from outer court to the inside and to the most holy. And there was separation, separation, separation until separation. Until the most holy place. So every time they worship you, these articles, it amplified unto them a sense of separateness. 
a separated people. They moved into the more holy of holies. They knew where they belonged. How come the church did not know? How come in her worship and using the article, she has not remembered the big separation that took place at Calvary? How come in her worship she has not remembered, she has not amplified? You know the meaning of amplify? Amplify, increase, magnify the sense of separateness. That no, we are separated, we cannot dress like that. No, we are separated, we cannot talk like that. There is a spiritual menu that has been placed on your table. And they want you to eat that food without having a say unto the menu. And Daniel said, no. If there is a place where they are discussing how to shave your head, I need to have a say on how they shave my head. They say, when we reach, you'll do box punk. When we reach, they'll do what? But I need to have a say. It's my head they're going to shave. <laughs> That's what Daniel was saying. Not just to hear that it's been finished. They've discussed it. You just go and submit yourself to the barber and you'll see what you'll do. <laughs> and you'll leave a string. Whatever, I don't know. But do you understand? Amplify the sense of separateness. The reason the articles were targeted by the enemy, by Nebuchadnezzar, is because every time the children of Israel worshipped using the articles, the consecrated articles, it actually, in its practice, amplified their sense of purity. It always amplified a sense of purity. If you look at the practice and the procedure, from outside as they came in, it was purity, 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 and finest purity in the Holy of Holies. Did you understand? And so he had to target that because he knew that if they had these articles and they moved them to Bathsheba, they moved them to Ayalon, they moved them to Nahal Oren, they moved them to Metula, but Mehula, Kibbutz Metula. If they moved them to Horev and they begin to worship there, and it amplifies into them a sense of purity. And the times are difficult. And they decide to observe purity. The Lord will come down and deliver them. Did you understand that? So he had to target anything that was going to bring purity to the church. I'm mentioning the church because I want to see the church. Ah! So the best place to go is the Holy Spirit. Not a Bible college, right? Huh? To the Holy Spirit, I said, teach me the word, please. Reveal to me. In the Bible college, it's a philosophy of the book of Acts. That me, I am a, a pre-tribulationist. Which means I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. And then him is a mid-tribulationist. Whatever. At the different schools of thought of rapture. <laughs> How can you say like that in the house of the Lord? At your teaching pastors now. And yet here, the message is clear. That the Messiah is coming. Let us prepare the church. Ah! Listen to this. Hmm? The more they worshipped using the consecrated articles in Jerusalem, the more it amplified in them 
the sense of oneness in submission under the lordship of Jehovah. <laughs> Can I say it slower, right? He said, the more it awakened in them, the fact that Israel is one people, God's people, fully submitted under the lordship of Yahweh, of Jehovah. Did you understand that? So, actually, it reminded them of their full submission unto the Lord. You understand? The more it awakened in them a sense that, hey, you people are one nation, totally submitted under the lordship of Jehovah. You don't submit to another. Do you understand why they had to dismantle it? In order to break their loyalty to Jehovah. The more it awakened and amplified in them, they understand that, hey, we are one people in one oneness and fully submitted as a nation under the lordship of Jehovah Elohim. Nothing else. Isn't that very powerful? And he says this, the last one, right? So the articles were golden. That means they constituted the treasure of Israel. They constituted the savings. The banking, that was the bank. The treasure of Israel, those were their treasures. They said, if we will rob them and vandalize, then they will remain poor. Poor. In other words, they will have nothing. Did you understand me? Nothing to write home about. Every time they worshipped with the articles, they noted the following. The way the Lord defined the dimensions of the articles of worship, for the skilled men to build. The articles were well built in right dimensions. And when you carry and you put even on the altar, the exact position was the exact dimensions. So it fitted exactly. It reminded them of the exactness of God. And hence, the Lord was saying, there cannot be any other counterfeit for this one. Ah! There is no counterfeiting on this. So which means it stops them from submitting or giving loyalty to another God. Did you understand that? It stops them from submitting to another altar because it will not fit there. But now it is taken and put in the temple in Babylon. They are not even fitting well there and they say we go worship. But when we will go worship and see the accuracy is not measuring up, then we will know that this is not Jehovah. This is not the Lord's temple. So they will not submit. And the purpose was Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to worship the Babylonian God, his God. The book of First Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, that's where our finishing note. That's now the church. If I were you, the subtitle there becomes today's church. Today's church. First Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. Once you're there, I'll read now. Now we are getting to the church. So you may understand why the church was targeted. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, he says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For 
in scripture it says see i lay a stone in zion a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who who trusts in him will never be put to shame now to you who believe this stone is precious but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Verse 9. Verse 9 is my target for you today. Verse 9 it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Did you understand the inheritance? Do you understand why you are targeted? That in this besiege of the nations, in this captivity, if any deliverance is going to come out, come forth, it shall have to come from anyone that has a royal lineage. Anyone that has royalty, inheritance to the crown. Do you understand why the church comes in at the center stage? Why he attacks the church in like manner? He says, but you are a chosen people, you see now the separateness. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Did you understand why the church has to be targeted? Because she is the one with the royal lineage. She's the one with inheritance to the crown. She's the one who normally jumps up and says, you guys, this is not right. We need revival. We need to return to Jerusalem. This is not the right diet. This is not the right place. This is not the right way to live. This is not acceptable. Do you remember the blood? Do you remember the cross? Do you remember the glory on Mount Moriah? You see that? The church is targeted because of this lineage here. Once you are not a people, but then out of his masses he grafted you into the royalty of God. And because you have inherited the crown, the throne, then only you can bring forth deliverance because only you have some power. You know what your rights are. You can quickly mobilize and evangelize and remove them from the teeth of the devil and tell them to refuse it and tell them we have to return to Jerusalem now. Do you understand me? And this is the true testament to what happened when uh, John did not write the oracles of the Lord regarding the horsemen. You see that? He did not. In the gospel of John it was not. And then he skipped it only to be set apart separateness to receive the revelation and then give the real time transcript translation of what Jesus talked about. And then you see that when you read it in Matthew 24, you go to Revelation 6, you understand it. Then it tells you that the Lord was saying that Bible interprets Bible. You see that? Bible translates Bible. That means you don't need to go to theological college to understand Bible. But you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to understand this, right? Okay, so we saw very clearly here the schemes of the enemy in the way he attacks the church. Everything I was speaking about Israel, there was a parallel that was running like this about the church down here. Every attack, every scheme, every mechanism he used, 
is what he's using here also. So you can see that as the Lord was talking with Daniel, even about Israel and her condition, he was actually talking to the church in a parable. That you shall also behold this condition. And that is true because you see that the devil has said, unless you preach the gospel of prosperity, how will you survive? You look so bad like that with tattered trousers and then you lack money for ministry and then we'll just laugh at you. You see that? We need money for ministry. Why don't you preach it? You have to preach money. So they have a model system from the table of the king of this world, right? The eunuchs are giving us pressure to submit to that model that we will look worse off. You understand? The eunuchs of the king of this world. And what has turned out now, what you've seen now, that Kumbe, you can say no, unless you preach the gospel of prosperity. How will you survive? You need money for ministry. And when I came, that's what I was told. One of the leading top bishops of the country, the land, was sent by them. And he said, I've been sent to you. And they are saying that we know you are uneducated men. So you have understanding. <laughs> Did you understand? <laughs> and so, because you, you know the, the way they start it, eh? to make sure you cannot fault them. You understand? We know you are educated and you have understanding. And then, and so because of that, we know that you understand that we need money to do ministry. <laughs> and they are saying that cut it down. If you turn it down, it will be right. Even you, you will need money to do ministry. And then I turned around and I said, now I understood what I did. Today I can understand what I did. I said, no. Go tell them. That's top. I'm talking about top, top, top bishop in the land, country. Go tell them that this is what the Lord says. No. You don't need money to do ministry. But you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do ministry. Because the anointing is the favor of the Lord. It will furnish you with everything you need for ministry. Did you understand? So in other words, I was telling him, no, we don't need the things of the world first to get the kingdom of God. But we need to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. Then everything else will fall in place. Will just fall in its right place. That is the confusion. So you see, this is the contestation going on here. You understand? You see that the devil, and they said, you, you, will, you will suffer. What kind of ministry is that? <laughs> Let's wait and see. What, oh, now what kind of gospel is that? Money is in the Bible. The tithing is in the Bible. Jesus had somebody keeping money among the disciples. So they use everything to validate, to justify. But when the Lord allowed me to say no, in fact, I'm going to rebuke money and I've been sent to rebuke money globally. And then I brought this to your attention, right? That you must now stop preaching money. Never mention money with your tongue. Just preach salvation, righteousness, prepare the church, turn away from sin, the Messiah is coming, and let God be God. Amen. Let the Lord now take care of you. Because if you compromise the gospel, it will haunt you forever and ever and when you see people going to hell you will say that that is me i'm the one who did that i'm the one that caused that did you understand me properly because he's saying that oh they told me one of the bishops told me it's again leading bishop in town why are you worried about sin you're rebuking sin too much 
The Bible says that in the last days there will be a lot of sin. In fact, that will be the sign that the Messiah is coming. So, you know, did you understand me? So they have subscribed to it. They have submitted under that authority. And what I'm saying is very simple. I'm saying that the Lord in his conversation here, he's saying that we know the schemes of the devil to dismantle the elements of worship, especially the matters that touch on you being able to recognize. Remember, I just read the church. So this is now the condition of the church. In First Peter chapter 2, I read verses 4 to 10. I said, he attacked the church because the church is the one that has the lineage of God, the inheritance unto the throne. And you saw very clearly that he touched on anything that when the church worships, you know, she's able to recognize the redemptive power of the God who delivered her. Isn't that the blood and the cross? So he came and touched on the blood and the cross. That's what he dismantled from your gospel. Yes, he took it away from the church. And now the church is preaching a gospel that is empty, that is without the blood and the cross. And in fact, without the power therein. You understand me? Because we know that the cross is the power unto the gospel. Eh? And the blood is the power unto the gospel. The cross is the heart. Eh? Huh? You see that? So he had to touch on the cross. That's why when you go to those churches, they don't mention it. They can mention it haphazardly in some cynical way, sarcastic manner. And yet, one of the most important articles of worship that the devil targeted is the cross. Because the blood and the cross, if you can anchor the church on the blood and the cross, <laughs> that church will always walk aware of the redemptive, the mighty redemptive power of Jehovah, the God of Israel. You see that? And whatever the circumstance, she knows she'll be redeemed. She'll be taken away from it. But he distorted that gospel. And he brought a gospel of prosperity, you saw, right? That has no power. Is not embedded in righteousness. So there is immorality. You see that? And I mentioned some things here. For example, they develop models for your children. They are young already, the girls, and they are naked already. You see that? And yet here we say, no, we dress them holy. Let us break the rhythm, right? Let us break the chain. University. They say, why is, your, why is she dressing like that in university? I said, no. As far as we are concerned, we belong to Jerusalem. The separateness. You understand? And so you dress accordingly. So the devil has no access to you. You defy him. You anger him in several ways. Even by just walking holy, you intimidate the sinful church. You know that. Without preaching to them, they will attack you. They can kill you if you fool around. Because you are speaking so loud in your holiness. You are evangelizing. You understand me? And when the devil disconnected the church from the power, that thing that centralizes the awareness, activates the awareness of the redemptive power of Jehovah, when it dismantled, then she has no power even to evangelize. You saw that? If you just take one of the points that I gave, where he touched on the article, which actually reminds them, amplifies their separateness, their purity, and their submission in oneness under Jehovah. If you take just one thing, for example, separation, and then purity, how he touched on purity also. 
Separation, I said in First Corinthians chapter what? Second Corinthians chapter six, verses fourteen to eighteen. And from that point, you move on how he separated Israel, how he separated the church. He said, "Behold, you are chosen people." Even the scripture I read is about separation. He said, "Once you were not, but now you are chosen people, separated." You know, just one point within the many points of the vandalism of the consecrated vessels. You see that? What I'm talking about has real physical manifestation in the church. Because separation has many things from sexual sin also. And how the devil uses the movies, the TV programs, the dressings from where, the fashions of where, the what, what. And say, how come they are now in the church? How come the church goers are now in the movies? How come they are now watching the secular programs? And then you come down to one thing. What is the main thing you come down to? That he has tried to use that to normalize. So no, you're just like us. Uh, in fact, uh, meet Pastor So and So. Uh, even us, we are in this fellowship. Even him is struggling, just like I told you with the gospel. We are struggling here, and uh, you know it's not easy. Even him, he has his own story of struggles. Now what? You know they try to do that. That everybody else is in the same bracket, and yet the Lord is saying that you have now become a chosen people. A royal priesthood, which means not just a priestly bride, but a royal bride. A bride with inheritance. And that's why you see, he says that he did not only make you the people of God, but he's also grafted you into sonship with God. You understand? So you have rights. That's what the devil tries to nullify. He's saying not anymore. At least after this message came to you. You understand? That in this besiege of the nations, in this captivity, if any deliverance is going to come out, come forth, it shall have to come from anyone that has a royal lineage. Anyone that has royalty, inheritance to the crown. Do you understand why the church comes in at the center stage? Why he attacks the church? In like manner. He says, but you are a chosen people. You see now the separateness. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Did you understand why the church has to be targeted? Because she is the one with the royal lineage. She's the one with inheritance to the crown. She's the one who normally jumps up and says, you guys, this is not right. We need revival. We need to return to Jerusalem. This is not the right diet. This is not the right place. This is not the right way to live. This is not acceptable. Do you remember the blood? Do you remember the cross? Do you remember the glory on Mount Moriah? You see that? The church is targeted because of this lineage here. Once you are not a people, but then out of his masses he grafted you into the royalty of God. And because you have inherited the crown, the throne, then only you can bring forth deliverance because only you have some power. You know what your rights are. You can quickly mobilize and evangelize and remove them from the teeth of the devil and tell them to refuse it and tell them we have to return to Jerusalem now.
precious people. If you are sitting there in your living room, that hotel room, a motel, or you are receiving this even by audio through some radio, someone is sending it to you by phone. Whichever way, if you feel in your life that your salvation has not presented the hallmark, the feature, the characteristic of obedience to the Lord, then the Lord is saying this is the hour at which we need to change conformity and become more heavenly and become obedient. And if that is you, even at home, and you have never received the Lord before, and now you feel like this word has touched you, you want now to obey, obey the cross at Calvary, and the blood. Obey the call to salvation. Repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I have heard your word, your holy word. And Lord, I know that your word is established in heaven. And I ask you, my father, my everlasting father, to establish your word in my life. The word of salvation. I repent of all sins. And receive you in my life. Precious Jesus. Please transform me. And withdraw me from focusing on the life in the world. On this earthly living. And change me. And redirect me. To be more heavenly focused. That I may enter heaven. The kingdom of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. I am born again. If you have said that prayer again. As have you heard. In this broadcast. This is not some kind of gimmick or trick. This is now the holy word. It's about salvation. The salvation of the cross. And it's not about money. This is about preparing you that after living this short life on this earth, you can have eternal peace with God. Make sure you're baptized and you find a Bible teaching church. Not a church where the pastor is comical, comedian, making you laugh. I am talking about a church where the pastor is teaching salvation. Salvation of the cross. Salvation of the blood. The old rugged cross. The abandoned cross. The cross at Golgotha. May the Lord bless you. Prepare the way. The Messiah is coming. Shalom. Todarabah. Todalahem. Amen.